The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. As we continue in the book of Job, today we conclude our examination of Eliphaz's first argument. Eliphaz bases his argument upon his own observations and his own experiences, two notoriously unreliable bases for any argument. Join us as we conclude our look at this first argument against Job made by Eliphaz the Temanite. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Down at the feet of Jesus, I know in humble prayer, seeking in broken spirit to find a
And see, ultimately, God delivers on the principle of sowing and reaping. Not that we're working our way to heaven, but that that which Jesus Christ sowed, that which he did when he died for his children, ultimately paid the price for them and, and, and will, will, will cause them to be ultimately completely blessed in heaven. But here and now, it doesn't always work out that way. But that's what Eliphaz thought. He said, Job, it's been my experience that people reap what they sow. That's what I have seen. And then ultimately, he backs it up with, with a weird experience. <laughs> now, now, I'm not saying the Lord, certainly in the Scripture, we know the Lord sometimes speaks to his children in dreams. I'm not saying the Lord still doesn't get involved in our dreams somehow, but I've known of people that have placed more emphasis on dreams than they have upon the Word of God. And you know what Paul said about that? He said, if I or even an angel in heaven preach any other gospel, let him be accursed. There's a man named Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith claimed that he saw an angel in New York about 150 years ago who gave him another testament. He gave him a new revelation from God. And based upon that revelation from that angel, he founded the Mormon church. Well, I don't know if he had a vision. I don't know if it was a demon. It might have been a dream. He might have eaten some bad collards and he had a nightmare. I don't know what it was. But I can tell you this, anything that goes contrary to the word of God, you need to throw it out. But listen here to what, listen to what Eliphaz says. In verse, he says, Job, I've had a supernatural experience, so you ought to listen to me. Verse 12, now a thing was secretly brought to me and mine ear received a little thereof. In thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falleth on men, fear came upon me, and trembling, which made all my bones to shake. Then a spirit passed before my face. The hair of my flesh stood up. It stood still, but I could not discern the form thereof. An image was before mine eyes. There was silence, and I heard a voice. And he's fixing to tell us what the voice said. He's saying, Job, you need to listen to me because I've had this vision. You know... I appreciate the respect that you all give to me as your pastor. I appreciate that. And, and, and I try to be a good example. I try to be faithful to study the word. I try to be faithful in prayer, although I fail miserably in both of those many times. And I try to be uh, an example to the flock, as Paul said we're supposed to be, okay? Well, <laughs> I don't think there's any danger of you all elevating me too high because you know me too well. But I've known situations where preachers, pastors were elevated to a higher level than maybe the congregation. In fact, even in one place where I, where I was preaching for a while, uh, I used an example of some way that I had failed that particular week. And a lady in the congregation came up to me later and said, Brother Chris, uh, you just don't need to bring yourself down to our level. <laughs> I said, dear sister, I'm below your level. I'm not on your level. That's right. I'm down below your level. <laughs> That's the way I see myself. So as, as the pastor, certainly your pastor is supposed to be your leader in a spiritual sense. But, uh, but, but I don't have any greater authority to talk about what I think or about what I've seen than you do. Now, you ought to listen to me if I'm preaching the word. In fact, Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 28 says, The prophet that hath a dream, well, let him tell the dream. 
It's okay if I have a dream some night and I want to come down here and share it with you. I remember Brother Oliver, he used to have dreams about mules all the time. And I loved hearing about them. But I'm not going to preach about it. <laughs> I'm not going to get up here and preach about it. He says, the prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. But he that hath my word, let him speak the word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord. In other words, all this dreaming stuff, I mean, there's occasions in the word of God. And if it's in the word of God that the Lord spoke to someone in a dream, it's true. But apart from that, you can discount it. And, and notice here, I don't believe, I don't know what this was. I'm not, but, but it doesn't appear to be an inspired dream from God. Most of the time when it's an inspired dream from God, they say, thus saith the Lord. Or that vision will be clear that it is God, okay? But otherwise, all this is just chaff to the wheat. You know, the chaff is that portion of the wheat that you sift out and let it blow away. It's only the wheat that you need to hang on to. But he says, he says, Job, I've had a vision, and here's what my vision said. Verse 17, shall mortal man be more just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? I want to go back and tell you again what I said to start with. There is some truth in what they say. And these verses here are true. I'm not saying the dream was true, but listen to what... He says, shall mortal man be more just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? Behold, he put no trust in his servants and his angels he charged with folly. How much less in them that dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, which are crushed before the moth. Those three verses will do to preach on, let me tell you. They're true. Mortal man cannot be more just and more pure than his maker. Even the angels were charged, charged with folly. Some of them fell. If you can't trust the angels, you sure can't trust those that dwell in houses of clay. But again, remember that you can know the truth, but you can apply it in a wrong way. And, and what he's doing here is he's saying, I've had this vision, Job, and based on this vision, something's wrong with you. Verse 20, they are destroyed. From morning to evening, they perish forever without any regarding it. Doth not their excellency which is in them go away? They die even without wisdom. In other words, Job, now you've been, you've been saying some things about wanting to die and, and you've been experiencing all this and you're missing the point, Job. Job, you're just a man and you've got some sin in your life. You've got some problems, son. And, and, and I want to tell you about how destructive sin can be. Now, before we go any further, let me just ask this question. If you're sitting there in the dung heap, scratching yourself with a pot shard because you, you're covered in boils and grieving, not the loss of one, not the loss of two, but the loss of ten children, grieving the loss of everything you've ever built in your life. Do you really think you're going to take much comfort out of somebody coming to you and talking about the destructiveness of sin? I think I said this last week, with all the deaths that have occurred lately, what if I went up to one of the loved ones or one of these that have passed away and, I, and said, as they're weeping by the casket and said, well, you know, he didn't deserve any better anyway. He was just an old worm of the dust. <laughs> He deserved this. You know, that's true. Did you know that you and I, as we sit here right now, deserve death? We don't just deserve death. We deserve to be cast into hell. You deserve it. I deserve it. The Proverbs writer says, A word spoken in due season 
is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. There's, there's a time to be talking about that. Sometimes I preach on that. But there's also a time to focus not just on the majesty and omnipotence of God, but upon the mercy and the love of God. And here he's focusing Job on the fact that sin destroys in Job. There must be some problems with sin. And then in chapter 5, he turns to his argument from observation, not just his experiences in his own life, but observations of what, notice verse 3, for I have seen. You know, that's, that's where we come back to. I've seen this. Call now, verse 1, if there be any that will answer thee, and to which of the saints wilt thou turn? For wrath killeth the foolish man, and envy slayeth the silly one. I have seen the foolish take root, but suddenly I cursed his habitation. His children are far from safety. They are crushed in the gate, neither is there any to deliver them, whose harvest the hungry eateth up, and taketh it even out of the thorns, and the robber swalloweth up their substance. He's saying again, this is what I've seen happen when men don't live right. And notice in verses 6 and 7, here he gets to the heart of the accusation against Job. You remember our, our title of the message? Here it is. Although affliction cometh not forth of the dust, neither doth trouble spring out of the ground, yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. In other words, when you light a fire, the inevitable consequence of the fire is that you're going to have sparks flying upward. Joe, this problem you're experiencing didn't come out of the dust. It didn't come out of nothing. There's, a, there's some, you know, you heard the old saying where there's smoke, there's fire. Well, I understand that. that that's some truth to that. But here, that, that is a true statement about some things, but that's not true here in Job's case. Job here, he's saying, Job, the reason that this is happening is because of some sin in your life. And notice what he said. He even said in verse 4 that his children are far from safety. How would you like to lose 10 children to death? And someone come to you and say, man, it's your fault. You're the reason they died. <laughs> Job, the foolish man may take root, but, but his habitation is taken away. His children are cursed because of him. Job, you got problems. Everything happens for a reason, Job. And here the reason must be that you did something. Notice his appeal to Job now. Verse 8. He says, I would seek unto God. Essentially he's saying, Job, you've got to get right with God. You've got to get right with God. I would seek unto God, and unto God would I commit my cause, which doeth great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. And he goes on to describe these things about giving rain on the earth and exalting those that mourn to safety and disappointing the devices of the crafty and taking the wise in their own craftiness. You know, again, these things are true. It's good advice to tell someone to look to God. But here he's saying, Job, you've got to get right with God. The reason you're being beaten here, the reason you're being uh, uh, tortured and, and, and having all these problems is because you are not right with God and you need to get right with God. Listen, I understand that's always the first place we ought to go in the midst of suffering. 
If you're experiencing suffering yourself, you ought to examine your life and see, say, Lord, is this something I've done that's causing this? But like I said last time, if, if, you, if you sincerely seek the Lord's answer of that, He will tell you. And if He doesn't tell you, that means it's most likely not the chastening hand of God. I never chasten my children without telling them why. And God's a much better daddy than I ever was. He won't ch I've had the chastening of God in my life. You know, there's never been a time when I've been chastened by God that I didn't know exactly why. It doesn't take much spiritual sense, just a little inkling of spiritual sense to seek unto God and find out why this is happening, if indeed it's happening because of your sin. And let me just say this to you. Other than me, or, or you maybe in a general way, exhorting one another to examine yourselves, and all of us to examine ourselves, there is no place for me to come to you when you're in the midst of suffering and say, this is God doing it to you. Because I don't know. See, that's, that's between you and God. You need to figure that out. And maybe I need to encourage you as your pastor, hey, you know, pray to him. And, and some people have asked me before, say, Lord, what have I done that the Lord's doing this to me? Well, my answer is this, is that seek unto him and he'll tell you. And if he doesn't tell you, it's probably not God doing it. But it's not my place to do what he's doing here. He says, he says you need to get right for God, with God because whatever's happening to you is because God is doing it. And, and in verse 16, he says, So the poor hath hope, and iniquity stoppeth her mouth. Behold, happy is the man whom the Lord correcteth. Therefore despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty. In other words, Job, this is clearly God doing this, and we know that God really isn't doing it. See, that's the problem. He's leaping to conclusions. And he's saying, you ought to be happy about this, Job. <laughs> you ought to be happy. You know, James says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. But he didn't say it would be joy. I'm not happy in the midst of temptations and trials. But I can count it joy, just like Christ counted the cross joy. He said he endured the cross. Why? For the joy that was set before him. He didn't enjoy the cross. And there was no joy in the cross. The joy was set before him. Beloved, in our trials and temptations, there's no joy usually. I don't, I don't get up in the morning and say, hot dog, I'm going to get beaten today. You know, I'm, I don't want that to happen. I'm a baby when it comes to pain. I'm praying, God, help me through this. But if I endure it for the kingdom of God's sake, I know there's a blessing to be waiting for me on the other side. Not necessarily materially, but spiritually. He says, you ought to be happy, Job. Now, now, again, a caveat. We know that Job has some pride issues. And we know that the Lord did remove the hedge to some degree. And there is a place for God to remove the hedge, to suffer chastening to come upon his children. And Job will even speak to this later on. But notice this true statement. By the way, I'm not going to turn there and read it, but did you know that Paul quotes this statement. He says, happy is a man whom the Lord corrected. But here again is some truth that's misapplied. And notice as we bring this to a close, notice his Eliphaz assurance to Job. He goes on to say, he maketh sore and he bindeth up. He woundeth and his hands make hold. He will deliver thee in six troubles, yea, in seven. 
There shall no evil touch thee. In famine he shall redeem thee from death and in war from the power of the sword. Thou shalt be hid from the scourge of the tongue. Neither shalt thou be afraid of destruction when it cometh. At destruction and famine thou shalt laugh. Neither shalt thou be afraid of the beasts of the earth. For thou shalt be in league with the stones of the field. And the beasts of the field shall be at peace with thee. And thou shalt know that thy tabernacle shall be in peace. And thou shalt visit thy habitation and shalt not sin. Thou shalt know also that thy seed shall be great, and thine offspring is as grass of the earth. Thou shalt come to thy grave in a full age, like as the shock of the corn cometh in its season. Lo, this we have searched it, it is so. Hear it, and know thou it for thy good. In other words, if you'll just fix things with you and God, you're going to be happier than you've ever been. Everything's going to be right, Job. Just fix things with God. And by the way, I like what he says in verse 17. He says, Lo, this we have searched it, so it is. In other words, you can count on me. I'm telling you the truth. Now, I want you to notice something here. As we, I know we're running just a few minutes behind. I want you to notice something right here. Who else has come into the scene here and said, people that serve you, God, don't serve you for naught. They serve you because of the blessings you give them in this life. Who else has done that? Back in chapter 1 and 2, didn't we read that Satan said that? Didn't we read that Satan said, doth, God, doth Job serve God for naught? The reason he's serving you is you have blessed him. He, Satan is accusing, he's a slanderer. He's accusing Job and he accuses us of being paid lovers of God. We love him because of what we can get out of him. Is this not the same philosophy, just in different words? Just confess your sins, Job, and God will give you back all these things you've lost. In other words, we, we don't serve Him for naught. We serve Him because when we serve Him, all the things that, he, that, that we can get from Him come to us. See, it's that same philosophy. Later on, Job is going to make a statement that's, that's a true statement. Again, might have been misapplied, but it's a true statement. He's going to say, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Now that's a faith that we all need. What if he never blesses you again? What if he never again in your life gives you good health, peace in your family, peace with your friends? What if, what if you're never able to get out of the bed again and, and the rest of your life is filled with suffering and pain? What if you lose everything dear to you? All of your dreams fall apart. Everything that happens that, that you planned goes to pieces. What, what about that? Say, so, well, I just don't know if I could serve God under those circumstances. Why not? Because you see, there's a real sense in which we don't serve him for naught. It's just not the same naught <laughs> that this devil's talking about. Do you know why we serve him? It's not because of all the stuff we can get from you. I know the prosperity gospel promoters preach that, but that's not why we get it. I don't serve him to get my mortgage paid off. I don't serve him so I can buy this new four-wheeler. I don't serve him or I shouldn't serve him in order to get all these good things from him in this life because I've already got the greatest thing that there ever is, which is an eternity with him, an eternity of my sins having been paid for, an eternity of fellowship with God, a fellowship with the one who came down here and gave up everything he had everything for you and in fact became something that he hated in order to put away the sins of people that hated him 
in nature. So, Job, if God never blesses you again, are you going to serve him? Child of God, let me point the finger back at me. If he never gives us anything again, are we going to serve him? I hope so. I know I'm but flesh. I know I'm not what I ought to be. And I know there's sin in my life that I do need to confess. And you too, you've got it in your life. Search yourself, search your heart. You need to ask the Lord to search it with you. But just understand that even if he never blesses us again, we ought not be paid lovers of God like Eliphaz is suggesting or like Satan accuses. We ought to be faithful to the one who was faithful unto death. May we, may we remember that we have all we could ever ask of God and more in the death, burial, and resurrection of his son Jesus. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.